Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. And we're going to turn our attention to the Word of God this morning. For the last several weeks, we have been looking at Jesus' teachings leading up to his death and resurrection. And last Sunday, and actually really last weekend, we got to come together on Friday and remember what Christ has done. And then on Sunday, we got to celebrate the fact that our King has been raised from the grave. Well, today, I want us to read one of my favorite Bible accounts that actually takes place on Resurrection Sunday. So you guys may not, may not know this, some of you probably do, but on Resurrection Sunday, we see that early morning, Mary goes to the tomb and the disciples go there. But there's more to the story that day. When Jesus is raised from the grave, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, gives us an account of what takes place in that afternoon. So today we are going to be to be looking at the account of Jesus talking to two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus, and the title of today's message is A Walk with the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to pick up in in verse 13. So this is Luke 24, starting in verse 13, and I'm going to ask for you to stand as we read the Word of God this morning. We're going to read uh, 13 through 27 right now. It says, That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, and they said to him, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them said, whose name was uh, Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that, he, saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see. And they said, and then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Verse 26, was it not necessary that, that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Let us pray. Father, Father, I praised you this morning, Lord. Father, as we look at this account 
As we look at your interaction with your disciples, Father, come and bring us encouragement this morning. Lord, challenge us, encourage us. Father, we desire to follow you. Got to give you praise this morning. And I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Now, last weekend, I mentioned multiple times at how the Passover was the Jewish holiday at this time. The Jewish people had many holidays, but the Passover was the holiday. And what the Passover did was that when the Passover season came, men and women from all around would come to Jerusalem. They would all descend upon Jerusalem. And they would come and they would celebrate the Passover. Well, the first day of the week, which would be Sundays for their calendar when the Passover celebration was over and when the Sabbath was completed, men and women would head back home. And what we see here is we have two disciples of Jesus. We don't get both of their names. We only get one of them. But we got two disciples of Jesus. And in verse 24, 13, it says, that very day, two of them, meaning his disciples, were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So we have this, this scene, this story that kind of sets up. Two of Jesus' disciples are literally walking back home, they believe. Would have been very, very common. It's the first day of the week, and they're walking back. And we get Cleopas is one of their names, but as they were walking, now I do want to point out, we're not sure about the second one, Many scholars believe that this could have been the writer of this gospel, that it, that it could have been Luke was the second disciple here, but that's only speculation. But either way, Jesus is walking with them, and as they are walking, they are discussing the events that had just taken place. And it says this in verse 14, And as they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, it says, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them said, and then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem, who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Now, when I first read this story, I thought, well, isn't it kind of weird that just a random stranger shows up and just starts walking with them? But actually, in those times, especially when they were traveling from village to village, it was very, very common for when people were walking for strangers to walk with them, especially the Jewish people within their area there. So for Jesus to show up and for Jesus to walk with them, this was not uncommon. It would have been very common, and they would have easily have welcomed him in. But Jesus joins the conversation, and Jesus says, what are you guys talking about here? What's this, uh, what's this conversation that you guys have? And it says that they stood still, that they stopped. They're walking, they're talking, and Jesus says, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, it says that they stood still, they looked very sad, they looked sad, and they looked at him and they're like, where have you been? Have you not 
been around here for a while? Have you not heard all that has taken place in this city? Were you not here for the past three days? Do you have no idea what is taking place here? It was almost like, you know, in, in today's world when there's like big news and everyone knows about the news. It would be like somebody coming in and saying like, what's, uh, what's uh, this uh, coronavirus thing? You, we'd all be looking at him like, where have you been? Like, like, everyone has been talking about this for two years. And this is how they were feeling in this moment. Like, who is this guy? Does he not know what is taking place in this city over this weekend? And not only that, Jesus' popularity, it wasn't like Jesus was unknown. Jesus' popularity at the time of his death and resurrection was at an absolute all-time high. The Romans' leaders knew about him. Every village that he has went to, the healings, everything, he was very well known. And Jesus asked that question just to basically further along the conversation. Jesus clearly knew. But they summarized the events to him. And they said this in verse 19. And they said to him, what things, Jesus says, and they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all of the people. Verse 20, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we, verse 21, had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Verse 22, moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and they did not find his body. They came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. So they give Jesus this summary. They catch him up to date on the news of the time. Have you not heard that there was this man, this great prophet, who was condemned by the religious leaders? Have you not heard what had taken place, how they crucified this one? And then we get this line. And this line reveals how the disciples were feeling in this moment. Look at verse 21. It says this, But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since things have happened. They had heard Jesus speak to them about his death and how on the third day he was coming back. But what you see here is that they had so much hope that this Jesus would redeem Israel. And what does, what does that simply mean? It means they were hoping Jesus would get rid of of the Romans, that they could go back to the old days of David. And I've mentioned that many, many times, but you just see this here, that now it is the third day, and they're walking back home. The celebration weekend is over for the Passover, but they saw their Lord be crucified and hang on that cross, and they had heard some rumors. They had talked to other disciples and the women who were with them. They said he wasn't there. 
but what you can see is the absolute disappointment in them. They were like, well, we hoped for this. And on top of that, it's the third day. We haven't seen them. We don't know. In verse 22 and 24, they say this once again. And I want to just reiterate this point. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision, said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb as well and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. We see here that these disciples are still living in confusion. They had heard a testimony about the women going there. They had heard the, the testimony about other disciples going there. But you can tell that they still weren't convinced. They were hoping for a political revolution to take place. Did not take place. Then they had heard he's coming back on the third day. They're still not totally sure. An angel spoke to the women, but they're still not convinced, and they're on their way back home. They did not see that he was alive yet, but then Jesus speaks. A stranger at the time, in this moment. I love this in verse 25. And he said to them, what a way to start a line. If you're a stranger and you want to make friends, try this one. Oh, foolish ones. Just, just try that in random conversation. I bring that up because here's Jesus speaking to them. Now, they don't recognize him yet. He says, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Verse 27, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What a story. What a sermon I would love to hear. They're walking the road to Emmaus. And Jesus is walking with them and they don't even recognize him yet. And Jesus starts with Moses and all the prophets and Jesus explains it all to them. The biggest thing the disciples could not comprehend was the suffering part of Jesus. That was, that was beyond their capacity. It was like they had missed it. And it even says here, and it says it was in verse 26, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? They had a real hard time accepting the fact that their king was coming to suffer. They thought their king was coming for a victory, a political victory, a Roman getting rid of victory. But Jesus, who is so patient with them, Jesus says, starts with Moses, and he just starts explaining the entire Old Testament story to them, explaining how he had to come and suffer for them. Like I said, I would have loved to have been a part of that, of that journey, just that seven-mile walk 
listening to Jesus explain all the Old Testament, all the Old Testament stories that these disciples knew probably by heart. They had grown up in the Jewish culture. It wasn't like Moses and the prophets were some sort of foreign story to them. They knew exactly who these stories were and what had taken place, and Jesus just interprets it for them. Helps them to understand that the Christ was coming to suffer. But the story doesn't end here. I like, I want to pick up in verse 28. So this is the same, same account, and it's continuing on in verse 28, Luke 24. And it says this, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. So these strangers invite Jesus in. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened us up to the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Verse 35, and they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. I love how this account ends. They're finishing up their journey. Jesus had explained to them everything that was supposed to be taking place, explained the scriptures to them, and as they get close to their destination, they urge Jesus, Jesus, just come on in here. Come on in, just come on in, the day's over. They literally say, the day is spent. Come on in and let's have dinner together. And it says, when they were, was at the table, he took the bread and blessed it and gave it to them and their eyes were open and they recognized him. It's just in that moment, in that moment, they recognized Jesus. Now, it's interesting, Jesus, any time on this journey, any time could have revealed himself to him. Think about that. Jesus could have just showed up, seen two disciples walking. What's up, guys? And they, he could have opened up their eyes right then, right there. But no, Jesus takes time. Jesus takes time, and he always goes back to the Word of God. And he takes God's Word, and he explains it to them. And he walked this journey. We don't know how, exactly how long this was, but we do know that the day was over. In the disciples' minds, this day was spent, come on in, and their eyes are opened. And I'm just thinking what it would have felt like in that moment. You and a buddy walking with Jesus that afternoon, having this amazing conversation, hearing all about these Old Testament scriptures and how they were actually pointing to the king that they had believed in. And then they sit down, and then all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off. Jesus breaks the bread. And it wasn't communion. A lot of times they believed they were just simply sitting down to have a meal and Jesus blessed it and breaks it and all of a sudden their eyes are like, it's him. 
the one they had been following for years. These were disciples of him. It's him. Everything that we had heard about, his, his death and the fact that he promised to come back on the third day, and what day was it? It was the third day. And they see him. And then the worst part happens. He vanishes. I'm not going to lie, guys. If I was in there, I would be like, what? What, are you kidding me? Like, we were with you all afternoon. We didn't really recognize you. All of a sudden, it clicks, and we recognize you. You have opened up our hearts and our minds. And then it says, and then Jesus just vanished. But what do they do? Remember, the day is over. Not only that, they're seven miles from Jerusalem. I point that out to you. Scripture says they were about seven miles And they had already told Jesus that the day was over. So what happens? Verse 33. They arose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed. And has appeared to Simon. Now, you might be wondering about that quick line. I'll just make a quick statement. Simon Peter, the Lord had revealed himself to Simon Peter, and they had already heard about that as well. Saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was, he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. But the disciples when they realize who Jesus was and realize that the resurrection Christ is a real thing, they get up and they go. And what do they do? They go back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. Now, you guys might be sitting there thinking, well, what's seven miles, Pastor? You know, no big deal. And what's just, you know, seven miles? Some of you might be runners. I'm not. But some of you might be, might be thinking, oh, seven miles. We don't understand how difficult travel was back then. To travel at night, extremely dangerous. The robbers, the people on the, the roads, that's where the sketchy people were. But it was like they had this burning desire. We must tell the disciples. We must tell our friends. We must get back and be a witness to what Christ has done. And I bring this up to us, church family, because as we read this account, I was so challenged by the fact that being a Christ follower, I feel like sometimes people make it really, really complicated on what our job is as a Christ follower. Sometimes people are like, well, being a Christ follower requires this, it requires that. And we can sometimes make following Christ be such a complicated process and like, say, what does God really desire for us? What we see here is what Jesus had promised them would happen and what ends up happening throughout all of the book of Acts. The disciples are literally just a witness. That's all that they are. They are a witness to what Christ has done. And what we see from this account, the very moment they realize our Savior has risen. We've seen him. We have to go and we have to be what? A witness. We got to go and tell the other disciples what has taken place. And, and I share this because, because as 
you read throughout scriptures, Jesus promised this. Jesus promised, look at, uh, look at John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. This idea of being a witness. We read this a couple weeks back. But when the helper comes, I will send him to you from the Father. This is pre-death, pre-resurrection. The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will do what about me? He'll bear witness about me. Verse 27. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. John 5, 33. John the Baptist. And you sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. 539, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He's talking to the religious people. It is they that bear what about me? They bear witness. Guys, I bring this up because as you study scripture, you see the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament, John the Baptist, and Jesus promised the disciples were going to do what? Bear witness. Like, like that is everything that is taking place at this time. Jesus' death and resurrection, these disciples, all they do is they bear witness. I've seen him. He's alive. He is the risen king. And as you read on, look at Acts 1.8. Jesus promises them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it's this simple. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to share one more with you to drive this point home on how we and the disciples are called to be witnesses. Acts 2.29, the very first sermon, the first sermon we have recorded in scriptures after Jesus' death and resurrection, Peter is preaching. Brothers, I have said to you with confidence about the, about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and is in the tomb and tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with all the oath to him that he would set one of his de descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he is not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning. Our job as a Christ follower, I think sometimes we make it really, really, really complicated, but I want to break it down to this very simple truth. We bear witness to what Christ has done. We bear witness to his death on the cross. We believe in what the scriptures have said, but most importantly, we bear witness to the resurrection of Christ. Now, you might be sitting there saying, well, I never saw him. It's not about did you physically see him. These disciples did. But do we really, truly believe that he rose from the grave? And I mean, with everything within us, do we believe that he rose from the dead, that he has conquered death? I share this because it's, it's almost so simple, but it's also like the most difficult thing. 
is that that's our job as believers in Christ, is that we're here. We live out our days on this earth to do what? To bear witness on what Christ has done. To tell this world, this is who the Messiah is. He died on the cross. He rose again. And we are here to bear witness, church, to this world. We can get sometimes really caught up in all these different things, but it's like, have you ever thought about it? Like, God has called you to bear witness to what Christ has done. Now, this doesn't mean that the world's just going to accept you. Jesus warns us. They're going to hate you. It's going to be causing a lot of conflict. But we're here to bear witness. And as you read the book of Acts, that's all that they do. Literally, they are led by the Holy Spirit, and they go from, from town to town, from synagogue to synagogue, bearing what? Bearing witness. Saying, he was the Messiah. You guys crucified him, but he's not dead. And they hated him for it. But that's what they did. And the gospel message spread throughout all of the world, and it transforms men and women's lives to this very day. That there is a Savior that can come and take care of our sins, but this Savior can also raise us to new life in Him. And it's because of His death and resurrection. I read a, a funny meme. I think I got that picture. It's not really a, a funny meme. There it is. Uh, Charles Colson said this, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had, had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me the 12 apostles could, could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. I share that because that's, that's us, church. We bear witness to Christ. And as you read what happened to the apostles, it's absolutely true. They saw Jesus. And even as they were being tortured, as the Jewish religious leaders said, deny Christ, they looked at them and said, I can't. I've seen him. He's alive. He rose from the grave. I saw you kill him, but he's not dead. And they stoned them and they punished them for this one simple truth that Jesus rose from the grave. And I want us, church family, to be encouraged today. I want you to know the job Christ has for you is to proclaim his resurrection. Like I said, I think sometimes we make things very, very complicated, but when we have a conversation, and, and I love it within the pluralistic world that we live in where everyone's like, well, you know, these are all truths and your truth is your truth. And it's like, uh, there's one truth. Jesus died and he's alive. And it trumps all the other truths. But that's, that's our witness to this world, church. And I, I hope that you are encouraged in that, but I also want to challenge you, be a witness this week. Be a witness to what Christ has done. You may not have all of the Bible answers. I know that totally scares off a lot of people. Wow, what if they ask me complicated questions? We are a witness to what Christ has done. And we let the Holy Spirit work. 
because the Holy Spirit is at work, and he draws people and convicts people and challenges people's lives. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and I want to pray for us, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and we can declare who Christ is one more time this morning. Father, as we look to your word, Father, you have opened up our eyes as well this morning to your, to your resurrection. Jesus, you are alive. Father, I pray that we can be a witness to this world. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will give us encouragement and strength to stand and bear witness to what you have done for this world. Father, you died and rose again. And God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. But Lord, help us to be, to be that voice in these times. God, to give you all the praise, all the glory. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.